Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the podcast of champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the podcast of champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together, David and I, we make the Podcast of Champions. Talking all things Pac-12 football we got a couple weeks left of Pac-12 football, David. Who knew? It's like savor it, like that last bite of dessert. You just want to savor every morsel. Get the little hot fudge that's on the side of the plate and like scoop it up in there. Make that last little bit of ice cream with the cake and mmm, so good. A <laughs> couple weeks left of Pac-12 football and then poof, it's gone. Gone forever. And we will go out with the grace note of uh, Notre Dame on the Pac-12 network. How Freaking awesome is that? So good. Uh, we'll go out with. Can you imagine Notre Dame fans going, "What? How? Wait, what? How do I? How, how do I get the Pac-12 network?" Last ever Pac-12 After Dark has real Pac-12 After Dark potential. UCLA Cal on okay. ESPN at seven thirty on November twenty fifth. Yeah, there's lots of excitement rounding the corners here. 
There's a lot. Into the final stretch. But I'm really excited for this show. Really? Week 11 recap. I've never been excited to record this show. We're back on YouTube. So if you're watching us live on our YouTube channel over at Packville Podcast. Yeah, Ryan isn't sword fishing today. Not sword fishing. Thank you so much. Uh, We appreciate that. Um, Yeah, we are live over there. If you have a question for us, you can put question and put in the chat box. Stop the show. Wait, what happened? Robert Corville. uh, He has dropped any super chat. Oh, crap. All right, I'll put it up here. Nine ninety nine. Let's get the compliments going early. Uh, Robert is twice as handsome <laughs> as West Texas Mike. Twice as intelligent. Uh, twice the paragon of virtue of West Texas Mike. Uh, truly a, a gentleman and a scholar whose good looks are only exceeded by his generosity. Yeah, love it. Thank you, Robert, for that. That was uh, really nice for you to do that. So, yeah, if you happen to watch on YouTube live and you want to leave us a super chat, super chat. Appreciate that very much, but you can put questions in there, comments while we're talking. I will try to look over there and put funny comments up on the on the screen for everyone to see. We're, of course, going to recap all of the uh, week 11 action, um, but I we have, you know, and uh, so we, are, we got some news on the athletic director front. Um, David's picks, by the way, have been in fuego. He's 10 and 2. Oh, the last two weeks. Now there's some miracles that have happened, and we'll we'll kind of talk about it's, that. It's a it's a Carl Durrell 2005 10 and two. I've been over the last two weeks. You know, it's like yeah, it, it can't continue. Okay, <laughs> the way it's going. Um, yeah, I, another three and three week for me, which I start off pretty good, uh, and then it kind of fell off there. But I uh, do all my picks over uh, at my bookie, so I keep doing them every week. Keep thinking I'm going to like break through uh, and it not, but you know, I'll take 50%. But Dave is just crushing it right now. He needs to get over there too. Ryan, you are doing slightly better than Chip Kelly right now. Just enough. That's good. Yeah. yeah. But I don't mean to interrupt you. Please continue. No, that's okay. Uh, because when your money's on the line, choose a trusted sports book that gives you the tools to win. Like my bookie, it doesn't matter if your team is up or down. You can easily cash out or bet the game live to come out on the winning side. If you use the my bookie, Daily odds boost, same gay parlays, and you can take advantage of the huge prize pool contest they offer over at MyBookie. Plus, there is a no-strings-attached cash bonus, so that means you can get in there, let your deposit work, and you can withdraw after you win very quickly. What you can, what you need to do is use the promo code PAC12. It's going to continue as long as MyBookie is with us. We're going to keep PAC12 no matter what. Uh, your first deposit, you can get up to $200 in cash or you can bet you can take whatever you want to do the promo code pac 12 to claim your cash bonus now so make sure you get over to my bookie we only got a couple weeks left of pac 12 football and then the bowls and all that so get in there now you can bet anything anytime anywhere only at my bookie that was gorgeous thanks that was gorgeous that was the work of a man who is um Five games over 500 which is, in his pick. Which is okay. I mean, honestly, if we're judging it against obvious, uh, very high-quality head coach Chip Kelly, that's five five games better than yeah, him. Than Chip. I mean, think about that. You should be getting paid $5 million a year to do this. I should, that would that'd Six, be great. honestly. I mean, for this podcast to be paid anything is good. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. That's fine. Uh, we get some, you know. Uh, well, we do have, before we get into all that stuff, Dave, we have some... Uh, Uh, that's breaking news, um, and it has to deal with Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> Pour one out for a real one. Yeah, I don't think I have a picture of him up here. Maybe I'll grab one as you uh, 
wax politically about his uh, illustrious tenure tenure Ray, as the athletic director of Ray Arizona State. Anderson um, has uh, resigned, retired, announced his retirement, something like that. Yeah. Um, we call that forced. Yeah. <laughs> uh, things I learned from this, um, the only thing that I learned from this is that he's 69 years old. That is weird. I had no idea he was that old. Um, anyway, beyond that, uh, long time coming. Should have been fired long time ago. Uh, very bad AD. Wait, why? Why? <laughs> Wasn't he a former sports agent? Um, yeah, yeah. A former sports agent who hired his client. Did he hire like a highly successful <laughs> NFL head coach to run a college program who's older than him? Or similar? Yes. He yes, he did. Are you okay? Um, yeah, no. This is one of those that, like, I have no dog in the fight whatsoever, and it's just actually frustrating that he was there for that long. Like, I feel so bad for ASU fans that they had to deal with this and that they don't even get the joy of him getting, like, shown out on his ass. Like, it has to be, like, this resignation, retirement bullshit. Like, yeah. he should be fired. Like, he should have been fired a long time ago. Um, like shot into the sun out of a cannon, <laughs> yes. like gloriously fired. Yes. Uh, you hired Herm Edwards, your former client. Right. We're shooting you into the sun. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, ASU is in an interesting spot. They've got a first-year uh, head football coach who has clearly shown signs that he knows what he's doing. Uh, at the very least, uh, they've got that whole. They've got their basketball situation. Not worth getting into on this show. Um, but the new AD is like, uh, he's not going to have a football hire to make, uh, but they do have to, you know, this is an opportunity for them to get really right on fundraising in this modern era, really right on NIL in this modern era. I mean, ASU is in a really interesting spot going yeah. into a new league with a coach that I think, uh, I don't know, I can't speak for all ASU people, but certainly seems like he knows what he's doing. People are excited about him. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think they're in a really encouraging spot, but you got to nail this hire. Got to get somebody who's not going to be an impediment to what Dillingham is doing and is going to help accentuate his strengths as a schemer, play caller, you know, dedicated football psychopath um, with all of the fundraising apparatus behind him. So really good spot for ASU to be in, but they do have to nail this. Yeah. And what better man for the job than Michael Crow? Yeah, he's another one that's uh, – well, I mean, he kept the continuity <laughs> of the Pac-12 conference. Because you don't want to, like, switch commissioners all the time just because a guy screws up a little bit. So, you know, kudos to Michael Crow for making sure that Larry Scott stayed around as long as he did. Um, West Texas Mike has dropped another $5 in the we, Super Chat. Let me uh, pull that up here. I mean, West Texas Mike, you know it all already. You are just as handsome, just as intelligent, just as witty, just as charming. Um, his paragon of, of paragon of virtue level exactly the same exactly the same but like okay. not not diminishing in any way okay um it's additive honestly today you being the same paragon of virtue makes you even more of a paragon of virtue because that level of consistency from week to week day to day uh is truly what we're all striving for uh yeah. be the same guy to everyone every day and you just happen to be a man of uh, such noble virtue that um, it's like a it's like a bright light shining on all of us. Well, we do have lights on. Yeah, you want to see what it looks like in here in the studio? Oop, what happened there? Mm. Uh, so you can see the lights in there. I'm sure if you guys are watching. Um, yeah, so we had that little bit of uh, of news 
Uh, Chris Cartman all over it. So nice job over there at Sun Devil Source. Make sure you go check it out. You also mentioned the other funny piece of news that Notre Dame Stanford game. Like, uh, I just love that. I just love the fact that these we're going to get maybe the most storied program in college football history on the Pac-12 network for its final day of football existence. Yes. It's gorgeous. It is. I mean, I, I, I need to give credit whoever tweeted that to me. Someone tweeted it to me. And it was, it was like, our friend, Matthew. It was Matthew. Oh, very yeah. good. I love that. Um, Matthew, speaking of uh, Matthew, we do have uh, the final survivor pool results are in and we have a four way tie because everybody has Stanford left. Um, so, well, and because some interesting shit happened, Arizona State beat UCLA as a 17 point dog. Otherwise, we would not have had a four way tie. True. Yeah. Uh, that, that eliminated some people. Did he mention uh, who got eliminated? No, Let's that see. didn't eliminate some people, that kept people in. Oh, oh, okay. ASU, right. Okay, because you right. had to pick ASU. Right. That's what you were down to. Okay. Um, so he said it's over. Four remaining players won their games. Two at Arizona, one at Arizona State, and one picked Cal. So all those teams won. Uh, Arizona obviously had a better chance uh, than the other two. Um, everyone at Stanford left. So uh, he says, I guess avoiding Stanford at all costs was a winning strategy. Congrats to Sam. Uh, Jack, uh, Jake Howell, uh, just Jutton P and Colt Bush. So those are the guys that won Colt uh, Bush. He is, uh, he, he is a, if I remember correctly, a super chat, uh, giver. Oh, he so, giveth and he receiveth. Wait, have the other guys super chat? Should Colt just be the winner? Then? Yeah, maybe that's true. Maybe we, we just name, maybe we just name Colt the winner. Yeah. Screw this. <laughs> it's arbitrary. There are no rules. Uh, so of the 355 players, 230 were eliminated by making the wrong pick. Uh, 116 failed to make a pick, and five made a du- duplicate pick. Of the t- 230 that got the wrong pick, 185, which is over 80%, were directly due to Stanford, picking them to win against Sacramento State, picking Colorado, or picking Colorado and Washington State to beat them. I was a victim of that, the Colorado one. Um, so Stanford was involved in the elimination of almost everybody, which is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Um, okay. As a reminder, the entry form stated that the prize for winning was guaranteed to be among the following. And so the prize choices are your choice of which conference your favorite team will play in next year. Your choice of which conference your least favorite team will play in next year. A free subscription to watch USC Pac-12 network games on DirecTV. Two. 50-yard line tickets to the 2023 Herm Edwards Bowl Classic. Warning may be canceled. Uh, too late for you to change your plans. Uh, two 50-yard line tickets to see UCLA in the 2023 Holiday Bowl. Warning will definitely be canceled too late for you to change your plans. A guest appearance of on Ryan and Dave's brand-new weekly podcast, Deep Dive on Rutgers Athletics, or is it Indiana? Either way, it will be uh, scintillating. Um, a cheerful discussion with Dave about his fourth favorite president, a player who both begins and ends his career at Colorado, a six and three, a six and three UCLA victory over Illinois in 2024. And congratulations from Ryan and Dave until next season. Question mark, uh, Matthew from Mountain View. So we were talking about this, what we think you all should do. The four of you that we have named here as the tied people is, uh, you will pick the winner of Stanford Cal this yes. weekend and along with your winner 
you will provide us with the total score for the game. How many total points will be scored between Cal and Stanford in that game? You will provide this information via email to pack12podcast at gmail.com. You will do so no later than, uh, I don't know, like Saturday morning? Yeah, Saturday morning sounds good. Should we have him send just it to Just do Matthew? it before the game. It doesn't really matter. Should we ha- get Matthew involved? No, just send it to us. Send it to yeah. us. Um, tell us the winner, Cal Stanford. You don't have to pick Stanford just because that was the only team you have left. We're going to give you the choice. But you got the game is involving Stanford. So Cal Stanford and the total number of points, not the margin of victory, total points. Right. And the closest, if you guys all pick the same or whoever gets the game right, then we will go to the score. And if that is somehow correct, then we'll fold this into next week's competition, and it will most likely be about Stanford-Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, Astro Wave says, us Sun Devil fans are finally free of Ray Anderson. Yes, I think everyone... Is there anyone, like, upset? And No. No. That's kind of funny. Um, you want, like, you wanted the glorious, like, uh, just, you know, the, the ending, you wanted it to end. You didn't want it like a Sopranos ending. You wanted, like, an ending to this that was just, like, amazing where like Ray Anderson's gone, you know, and it, we didn't get it. You know, you get the resignation USC's last two athletic directors, um, that were fired. It might've even been Pat Hayden too. Like Lynn Swan. It was basically like a statement from the president. We never heard from him. There wasn't a statement from Lynn Swan at all. It was just like, Oh, right, he's gone. We're moving on. And Mike bone, because of the controversy, we didn't hear from him either. So the last two USC ADs just sort of were like, we were notified that they're no longer there and never heard from again. Um, it's weird. Pat Hayden, we haven't heard from since. Haven't seen him around. You're like an AD. You're not doing a great job. Uh, you just kind of get you're just gone, just like bye bye, and just like sort of close the book and move on. You don't even hear from him again. So yeah, we got a statement from Ray Anderson at least. It's beautiful. Uh, yeah. Okay. So we have to do our Pac-12 roundup. We got our new uh, Pac-12 power rankings, which kind of the same as last week. Didn't really um, change that much, uh, but we'll go over these games. So first one, we're back down at number 12. Stanford Cardinal. And uh, way up at number four, we got Oregon State Beavers. Yeah, uh, Stanford went uh, runny dog shit against Oregon State. Um, Oregon State scored 62 points in this football game. Uh, They won 62 to 17. Uh, It was bad from the beginning. It continued to be very bad. Uh, Basically, the only thing that changed is that Oregon State got a little bit more efficient scoring after like the first quarter. Yeah, uh, but it was a it was a blowout beatdown very quickly. Um, yeah, I mean, look, has Stanford shown a little bit more than we thought they would this year? Yeah, uh, but are they a good team by any reasonable definition of the word? No, 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 definitely not. Um, and Oregon State's a different and probably much better team at home than they are on the road. So that added up to what it was. Now Oregon State, I mean, we'll get into this this week, but they've got their two game gauntlet to end the year, Washington and Oregon back-to-back. Whereas Stanford, you know, probably has another chance for a maybe win this weekend against Cal. But uh, even if they finish 3-9, and nine, it feels like a borderline successful 3-9 and nine for Troy Taylor. Like, feels like, okay, 
you know, you at least showed a pulse with a roster that is significantly depleted, doesn't really have a lot of talent. Um, I'd be okay with that. But yeah, they, I mean, the Ashton Daniels threw three picks. Um, they moved the ball actually okay, I guess, but um, couldn't defend anything. And uh, Oregon State, if they hadn't had to kneel out at the end, they would have had uh, over 600 yards on the uh, on the day. That's a lot of yards. Especially in today's era of, um, uh, you know, the, the clock running on, uh, you know, or not running on, uh, or running on first downs, sorry. Um that's a lot. I mean, on 68 plays to get uh, almost 600 yards is pretty, pretty, pretty bad. Pretty um, bad. Uh, Stanford was a 20 point dog. Mm. We both were on the right side of this, mm-hmm. uh, taking Oregon State, thinking it's going to be, hey, it's Oregon State at home. It's going to be a blowout. Um, I don't know if I've ever seen a team score 62 and only convert two third downs. Like there were two of seven on third downs. Mm-hmm. They got the red zone five times, five touchdowns, didn't turn the ball over. Stanford turned it over four times, almost double the yardage of Stanford. Um, for Oregon State, it's the most points and largest margin of victory in a conference game since 2012 against another Bay Area team uh, where they beat Cal 62-14, to 14, so a little bit better. Um, Damian Martinez, he found the end zone four times, pretty good. Um, Jamar Jefferson did that in 2018 against Washington State. That's the last time Abiv did that. And it's the most points allowed for Stanford since 2002, where they gave up 65 uh, at Arizona State. So, I don't know. DJ, you only had to throw 19 passes. I just can't get over the fact that they had two third-down conversions because they just didn't need a lot of third downs. Yeah. Pretty crazy. I don't I mean, what do you... We've seen Stanford have a pulse, but going to Corvallis isn't the place um, to have you know to get a pulse. No, this was no. This is this a was, this is a monumental beatdown. It's it was so bad that you had to instantly put them at twelve after this. Yep, absolutely. Um, okay, so sorry, Stanford, uh, that didn't go very well. But no, and I don't want to talk about that FCS game anymore. The FCS game. Okay, uh, let's see. Next up, we have uh, our number eleven team Washington State Cougars and uh they were in the Bay Area uh taking on where do we have them uh our number 10 team California Golden Bears this is when you know things have gone bad Cal won 42 to 39 it's when you absolutely positively outplay your opponent but you still lose uh which is what happened to Washington State in this game um they had some horrendous turnovers luck uh they had two fumble returns for touchdowns against them (laughs) two and then they had another fumble that they fumbled on like their own 20 i think that cal immediately punched in uh cal didn't really play that well and they weren't that good offensively right scoring 42 points is insane given what they were doing offensively but it was more just washington state couldn't stop shooting itself in the foot Aside from shooting themselves in the foot, it actually looked like they'd worked some things out. Like offensively, Cam Ward, when he wasn't fumbling the ball, was pretty good. Um, They actually ran the ball okay, sort of, for the first time in forever. Um, But just absolute gong show stuff going on with turnovers. Um, For Cal, I mean, Fernando Mendoza was fine. Uh, Jaden Ott was really good. He got hurt a little bit towards the end. I think he was kind of dealing with something throughout. 
uh, but he got hurt a little bit at the end. Uh, they eventually won and covered. The final line was like Cal minus two and a half. I think we had it at one and a half. So they just barely covered, but they did um, the Bears. And you had, did you have Washington State? I can't remember. Uh, we, let's see. I had, yeah, we. Did we pick differently on this one? I can't remember if this that was. That was, let me see. We might have both had Cal on this one. Uh, we both had Cal. Yeah, yeah, we both got this one right. Um, we had it at one and a half. Yeah, but honestly, Washington State should have won this game. Like, if you were like looking for signs of life from the Cougars, this this was that. Um, but when things are going bad, when things are cascading against you, it's kind of just you'll have bad luck games where you lose too. Um, in addition to all the games where they should have lost, this is one they probably should have won and still lost. Yeah. Uh, was happy to get this one right, but if you watch the game, it wasn't like you said. Uh, I mean, just look at some of the numbers. It's crazy. Uh, Washington State had 483 yards. And you gave them the mean growl. Why did you give them the mean growl? I didn't realize that. Washington State Cougars. There. There you go. Okay. Thank you. Sorry about that. Yeah. I, no, a lot of people are getting a... Uh, they didn't like that. Yeah. Uh, my apologies. Uh, 327 yards of offense for for Cal. Uh, four turnovers was really a killer. Um, Washington State did miss a field goal. Um, every time Cal got in the red zone, they got a touchdown. So that certainly helped. Three fumble recoveries, like you mentioned, and for three fumble recoveries for touchdowns, two defensive, and one was a recovery of their own fumble. So how? <laughs> so that's nuts. Um, it's the fourth game for Cal scoring forty plus points this year. They haven't done that since 2016. Um, uh, yeah, and then Cade uh, Ulave, he he's the first Cal player since Nick, For- Nick Forbes in 2012 against Washington that had multiple fumble recoveries in the same game. Um, so the, obviously the terms were a big deal here. I keep getting Cal sort of wrong. Like I had him against USC and stuff, but you see like the offense, you feel like they're going to play well. And when I think they're going to play well, they don't like Jay not had 167 yards, you know, and a touchdown, but they just weren't the same. You know, Washington state was reeling. Cal looked like they had some life and Washington state comes in plays better. You know, like these are very Jekyll and Hyde teams. And you're just not sure what the, but the weird thing is like the bad Cal showed up and like the better Washington state showed up and it still didn't matter. The Cal yep. still won. Yep. which is just so weird. Like, it's hard to find consistency with some of these teams. Uh, and th- PSA, this is how Ryan sounds with the game that he picked correctly. <laughs> no, this is, yeah. Like, it didn't make sense. Like, I shouldn't have got this one right. Like, yeah. Um, but I got some really bad luck and other stuff. But, like, this was just one where I didn't get, I thought Cal would be, oh, I think Cal's going to be better. They suck. And you're like, oh, I don't think Cal's going to be good. They're They're great. I mean, Washington State, I've picked them, and I picked Washington State when they just absolutely tank and don't show up. And you're like, what? But, you know, they pick a road game, and they actually show up for this one. So you kind of feel bad, but I don't know. Like, I mean, Ken Ward threw the ball 60 times. Like, how crazy is that? Yeah. I don't know. It was a weird one. It's hard to judge because knowing that Washington State doesn't know their their fate, their future. Now it's not affecting Oregon State as much, but man, it is. And Washington State beat Oregon State this year. Like it's just, it's just so weird. Pac-12. Yep. Um, okay, but someone said in the chat, Kyle, um, about the so talk about the Apple Cup. 
Washington State will not beat Washington. What we've seen from Washington State the last few weeks, certainly true. But if they just played a cleaner game like they did, they did against Cal, I would give them – I don't. I think Washington's going to win. But if they play like they played on Saturday, Dave, like I, the Apple Cup could be a lot more exciting than I, we originally thought, right? Or not really? I mean, potentially. Um, if Cam Ward uh, has indeed pulled his head out, but I don't know how much of that is just going against Cal. I mean, Cal sucks. Um, okay. But we'll see. Um, no, I would not pick them to be competitive against Washington at okay. this point. Grant says so much airtime for a crappy game. Yeah, geez, man. Sorry. It's just, you know, we talk about games. Uh, okay. Uh, next up, we have, let's see. So that was the Washington State one. Um, this was a fun one to talk about. We have uh, number nine. Colorado Buffalo. And number three. Arizona Wildcats. Wow. Yeah, so Arizona went on the road in, I think, what we identified pregame as kind of a potential letdown spot, um, coming as it did between big win over UCLA after that big streak of ranked games they were playing. Then you get this one, and then it's Utah at home that you're hosting the next week. You've just gotten a bowl eligibility, a lot of opportunity to not be as focused, to not come out as good. And in large part, that's how this played out. Like this game played out in such a way that you could see Arizona not being quite as energized, not quite being as enthused, not quite being as locked in with their game plan. And it allowed Colorado to hang around for a long part of this game. I mean, it was 24 to 17 Colorado at halftime. Um, Arizona had to dig deep in this one to come out with the win, uh, win 34 31. This is the one game I got wrong. We both got it wrong. Or no, you no, got, I got it, right. it right. Yeah. You got it right. Um, I got this one wrong. Um, but Arizona did eventually win 34-31. Um, it did require um, a, a Colorado missed field goal um, to send this one into the books uh, with a Arizona win. But it also required Tyler Loop hitting a field goal uh, to ice the game at the end. Um, this was uh, a really good game. It was a lot of fun to watch. Um, I thought Noah Fafita, who didn't play great, I think, in the first half, uh, showed up in the second half. Played a much better, much cleaner game. Um, Tedero McMillan continues to be uh, the best, one of the top three or so receivers in the league this year. Has to be. Um, and I know Washington's got its guys, USC's got its guys, the whole thing, but he's been exceptional this year. He's definitely in that conversation for the top tier in the league. Um, and, uh, you know, Jed Fish did the smart thing at the end of this game. Uh, they could have tried to punch it in. Instead, they... Um, worked the clock to set up it uh, set it up as the game-winning field goal and when you've got a field goal kicker as good as Tyler Loop is you can do that we've seen a lot of shaky kicking games in the league this year Arizona doesn't have one they've got a really good kicker um, and he knocked it through and they won yeah this was the morning game 11, <coughs> excuse me 11 a.m on Pac-12 Network uh, yeah I took I took Colorado plus 10 and a half thought they'd keep it close didn't realize that they were going to potentially win i mean they were winning this game going into the fourth quarter arizona outscores them 10 nothing uh in that quarter kind of clean game though no turnovers uh colorado did have a lot of penalties i think they had 11 penalties in the game that was you know fourth that's kind of been their story this year yeah fourth game this season with at least 10 um you know neither team was like great on third down uh, a lot of touchdowns in the red zone i think Nine total trips, 
eight touchdowns and one field goal. Um, you know, there was only one lead change, and that's when Arizona took the lead. Uh, uh, and they had four different ties in this game. Um, yeah, I don't know. This Colorado had this one. And I'm not saying they were in control, but this was definitely a winnable game. And then it just sort of like kind of unraveled a little bit at the end. But I like the way Colorado came out and fought. You know, they won the first quarter, dead even the second, dead even the third. But then they couldn't they couldn't get over uh, in the fourth quarter. Can I give you a stat? Sure, go ahead. Uh, Jonah Coleman had 179 yards. That's a pretty good day, right? Yeah. On 11 carries. <laughs> He averaged 16.3 yards per carry. Yeah. You know, I joked earlier in the year because there was a broadcast. I forget which game it was where they kept uh, talking about Jonah Coleman uh, because he'd mentioned pregame one of his like kind of guys he likened himself after that he tried to look up to was Maurice Jones-Drew. And they kept talking about him. Oh, he's like Maurice Jones-Drew. And I was like clowning on it on Twitter. I don't know, man. That guy's pretty good. (laughs) He's he's a tiny little dude who can run really fast and he's kind of built real stout. The comparison is not ridiculous. I'll say that um, he's he's been really fun to watch this year and, and watch him grow uh, throughout the year, uh, or at least watch my understanding of his game grow throughout the year. Uh, maybe it'd be a better way to put it. Uh, Montana Lumonius Craig also had a good game, probably you know one of his first for Arizona this year. Yeah, good um, to see him. I guess his old team. Yeah, um, and for Colorado, um, yeah, I still think uh, uh, Dion may have broken his own offense. Uh, it looks fine, I guess, um, but it's it. I don't know. It's not quite hitting the heights it was early in the year, and I think uh, uh, firing your offensive coordinator midseason was maybe not the ideal move. Maybe not smart. Yeah. Um, so Coleman's 16.3 yards per carry average is the highest in the Pac-12 this year, uh, if at least 10 carries. Uh, it's the sixth highest uh, by a Pac-12 player in the Pac-12 era. So that's a pretty historic day. Um, oh, wait, wait, wait. Hang on. Uh, Jason Noland. Uh, he is just as handsome oh. as West Texas Mike, just as charming, just as smart, just as funny, um, just as much a paragon of virtue. Um, truly one of those, uh, uh, just a, a man who hits all the like just platonic ideals. Um, just uh, like what I like about Jason most is his fidelity, um, his absolute you know loyalty. Um, as a you know, I consider him family, frankly. Um, and he uh, he fulfills all obligations of filial piety. Uh, truly, a man uh, uh, a man among men, Jason Noland. Uh, did you read what he said or no? Do you oh, to- thanks for helping <laughs> fill an afternoon void, fellas. Go, good stuff. Go beefs. Nice, thanks, Jason. Appreciate the uh, the super chat there. Um, yeah, so rank team gets a win. It was mm-hmm. close. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colorado kept it close, like I thought they would at home. Mm-hmm. So got that one. We're going to move on to the next game. Uh, these teams are right next to each other. Uh, we got number eight. Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> and I assume they lost because they are uh, behind number seven. UCLA Bruins. Yeah, let's just reverse that. That's stupid. Uh, it's it's number eight. UCLA losing to number seven. Arizona oh, okay. State. Um, yeah, so this game was almost like really for the dichotomies it displayed for the uh poetic nature of it um was one of my my favorite games of the day uh because on one side you had kenny dillingham avowed psychopath we've talked about this uh but doing literally everything possible to win this game 
like installing a complete joke of an offense that he knew would look ridiculous, that his team knew would look ridiculous, that would make him like laughable if it didn't work out. Installing that thing because he recognized that UCLA's one true disadvantage, the one true advantage they would have over no matter what ASU did was their defensive line versus his offensive line. And he put in a friggin' swinging gate for like 15 plays to keep that from being an advantage, to basically get his playmakers in space against UCLA's corners and linebackers. If you didn't see this, so describe it like okay, so you had like three linemen. Yeah, basically, yeah. you put a bunch of your linemen over to one side. You put a bunch of your skill pl- players over to one side. You might have them mixed up in a, in little bits, and then you might have one or two blockers of sorts in front of the quarterback. They could be skill guys. They could be linemen. They could be anything. And it's just the the design is to completely confuse, but also spread out a defense so they can't just overwhelm your offensive line and put your quarterback under fire. Um, it's also a thing that works until it doesn't and until a defense starts to get aggressive against it and might try to blow up the quarterback over and over again. He didn't run it much in the second half at all. This was a first half. We're going to catch him off guard. We're going to do some weird stuff and then we're going to dial it back quite a bit. It was so smart and it was essentially eking out every possible advantage he could get from his players acknowledging their deficiencies, acknowledging that Trenton Borgay was on one ankle, acknowledging that he didn't really have a backup quarterback who could play. He decided to play Jalen Conyers and uh, Cameron Scadaboo at at quarterback on each of them at least half a dozen snaps. Um, and each of those guys threw the ball on like designed throws. Um, you had all of that where it was all designed to take advantage of where they had comparative advantages with their skill guys versus UCLA's back seven and mitigate the weaknesses. On the other side, you had Chip Kelly, uh, who had a third-string quarterback of his own, Colin Schley. Now, Colin Schley can't throw a football. Um, He can throw it really hard. You just don't know where it's going. Uh, On a game like this, where you've got maybe the guy who's innovated the most um, uh, impressive rushing offense in modern college football, Chip Kelly, like the innovator of how to use modern option attack, uh, you have him, and he's got a running quarterback, a quarterback who can run the ball really well and can run all that option stuff but can't really throw. And what does he do? He drops him back intentionally 21 times in this game out of 58 plays. Just on purpose. Not trying to win the game. Trying to do something else entirely has nothing to do with installing a game plan to win. You've got a coach who's caring, who gives a shit, who's running a game plan to innovate – to try to tr- try to eke out whatever advantage he can, and the other one is trying to prove a point to somebody who criticized him seven years ago. Who knows? I don't know. It doesn't matter. But he's not designing a game plan to win the game in front of him. Um, and so that's what you ended up with. You ended up with Arizona State winning the game seventeen to seven. They uh, Arizona State does not have good talent. They've got Elijah Badger, who's really good. They've got Jalen Conyers, who's really good. Quarterback's not great, uh, especially when he's on one ankle. Cameron Scadabo is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, their offensive line is completely depleted, uh, and it did not matter because their coach cared, and they designed a game plan to win the game. UCLA has got better talent on their defense than Arizona State has on their offense. UCLA might have better talent on its offense than Arizona State has on its defense. It didn't matter because Arizona State designed a game plan to win the game. On top of that, UCLA was faced with three different critical fourth down where they were fourth and one or fourth and two. And each time they ran the same 
damn play. Just run the ball straight into the line of scrimmage. And Arizona State had clearly scouted that that's what Chip Kelly likes to do on fourth downs. He doesn't get creative. It's just pound the ball up the middle. And they had that scouted out, and they just flat beat UCLA on those. And that's such a great example of a of a of a staff that scouts incisively, and a staff that doesn't self scout at all. Um, and so you ended up with UCLA getting stopped on fourth down all of the four times it tried, and three times on fourth and short, uh, and twice of the twice was in the red zone. So it's um, it was a it was a complete coaching failure. And that was why this game, I thought, was so beautiful and what it demonstrated, I think, about the Chip Kelly era. It's why that this, I mean, it's why this is obviously uh, nail in the coffin type stuff for Chip Kelly. Um, just a complete demonstration of where he has failed as UCLA's head coach. So, extension. Kind of... <laughs> <laughs> no, this was terrible. I mean, when you got this one right, um, you finally picked a UCLA game, right? Right? Or no? Did you do it last week too? Did you get? Last... I, I've picked the last two correctly. Okay. Yeah. Um, I thought UCLA would come out and play well at home. I did think that one of the two starting UCLA quarterbacks would play, and not Colin Schley. Was that sort of a late thing? We didn't. Um, so watching... and I didn't realize Borgay. I thought Borgay was out, and UCLA was going to have so one of their top two guys. Word was starting to trickle out out of um, out of. Cartman site. Uh, Chris Cartman does a great job. Send double source. Uh, sign up, especially if you want the inside scoop on the AD search. Um, but uh, they had it Thursday. Um, I think it might have been after we recorded. Okay. Um, they had it Thursday that that Borgay was going to uh, give it a go. Uh, UCLA. It was I was banking on Schley most of the week because Garbers was really limping and uh, Dante Moore had. Uh, to my eye, suffered some sort of head injury and okay. most likely a concussive injury uh, against um, Arizona. So uh, I was anticipating Schley, and UCLA should have been anticipating Schley. They should have been designing a game plan for Schley. And instead we saw, uh, like, okay, so there was a scripted six runs to begin the game for UCLA. After that, there were 52 more plays in the game. And let me let me get this correct. Of those 52 plays... 24 of them were design dropbacks Yeah, on a day where you have Colin Schley as your starting quarterback. What is the purpose of that balance? It wasn't as if ASU was doing a good job against UCLA's running game. They were not. Yeah. Aside from those short yardage runs, which obviously those count, but aside from those short yardage runs, I mean, UCLA, even with those short yardage runs, if you account for sacks, they averaged over six yards per carry. Like if you take away the sacks, it's, which any NFLs, yeah, they ran the ball really well. They just didn't do it enough. Yeah. And that's, again, they didn't design a game plan to win the game. They designed a game plan to show off Chip Kelly's ability to play around with formations or something. I don't know. Yeah. Once I saw the beginning where, oh, crap, Borgay is playing and Schley is playing, then I'm like, okay, well, there's no way UCLA is going to cover this 17. But they still could have won the game. Like Like, the way you put it was great. It's just... Kenny Dillingham comes up with a plan where whatever we got to do, Pop Warner stuff, we're going to figure this out and find a, give ourselves the best chance to win. And I feel like that's we see this a lot. Like sometimes you got to go try to win a game and you might get blown out because you did some stuff that's a little crazy. And this was one where you do some weird stuff that's crazy and it ends up working. And it does look bad on the UCLA side because you had opportunities to do some crazy stuff. When I've seen Schley run the ball, like it looks great. Like he's, Fat, like 
He's super fast. It's like, okay, like you could have done some fun stuff. Yeah, he's fast. He's shifty. Um, But like there's so many, there's so much of it. UCLA has offensive line issues. They're not injury related. They're talent related, but they have offensive line issues. They have they 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 have a lot of trouble blocking up defenses. But Kenny Dillingham is the run running one running swing and gate. Yeah, Chip Kelly's supposed to be this like like historian of football. He knows all of it. He knows everything that you could possibly do. It's like the Bill Belichick thing that you're hoping to get. Why aren't you running some swing and gate? Like what happened to that? You were doing that a couple of years ago. Why aren't you doing it now? Yeah. Um, like the two point conversion stuff or whatever. Yeah. Like what, what's going on? Um, but it's more than that. Like, okay. Uh, they've got quarterback health issues, so they're doing wild stuff. They've got their running back taking snaps. They've got their tight end taking snaps. Do you know who UCLA has at running back? Colson Yankov. Do you know what he was coming out of high school? A quarterback. quarterback. Jalen Conyers was a tight end coming out of high school, even though he played quarterback. Cameron Scadabo was a running back out of high school, even though he played, I guess, some quarterback. Yeah. Also, side note, he's got a gun. Did you see his touchdown throw? That was his. Uh, that was the first Arizona State running back to throw a touchdown pass since Kalen Balage did but, in but 2016. He's got a rifle. Like he and he, he and Schley both have like rocket arms. Anyway, um, you got Colson Yankov who was a quarterback coming out of high school. He has never thrown a pass at UCLA. What's the point? Like, what is the point of all this? It's not fun. It's not interesting. Like, is this really cool stuff to go over in clinics in the offseason? I have no idea, but it's not interesting. Um, and that's maybe like the death blow for any of this stuff. If you're going to be an offensive innovator, either be really good or be interesting. Yeah. And it's neither. Uh, only one turnover for each team, nine penalties for UCLA. So that's not going to help when your offense isn't going. We do have an interesting comment from Aria, uh, and I feel like this is you know makes a lot of sense. Extend uh, <laughs> extension for Chip before he goes on a run, and uh, like FUCLA can't afford him. Sorry, guys, I don't think it's going to happen. So, I mean, I think if you're going to try to be financially, fiscally sound in your decision making, obviously, ten more years. Yeah, you got to like lock them up at the going rate because it's only going to. Uh, go up so yeah i mean inflation but also just his own quality as a head coach like clearly he has on the market on the open market wow chip kelly can be making 60 million dollars a year yet another duck fan says the guy most likely uh the guy i think he means the guy to most out likely outsmart chip kelly is always on the sidelines of ucla games his name is chip kelly absolutely okay so uh really bad like one of the like the colorado lost to Stanford's really bad. This was beautiful. No, this was. Um, this has got to be one. This of the was worst. one of those. Uh, you all have seen it. You, I mean, you've been if you've been following your own team long enough, you know what the cathartic loss looks like. This was the cathartic loss. Like it made everything just so clear. Arizona was clarifying, but this was just. I think everyone watching came away with the exact same impression, which is, oh, this is over. This, yeah. this can't continue. But this is. One of the worst losses in the Pac-12, right? Yeah, no doubt. Uh, losing at home to a two and then two and seven ASU team. Yeah, the, their first road win since they won at Colorado last year. Um, fewest points allowed they they've had in a conference game since when maybe they beat seventy to seven. They beat Arizona in the Territorial Cup. Like it just it Arizona State wasn't very good. They weren't getting wins. They lost fifty five to three the previous week. Yeah. They gave up 55 points to Utah, and do we all remember Utah? I know it's hard, but do we all remember watching them say this week, 
they're they're depleted on offense. They've got a pig farmer at quarterback. They don't have their tight ends. They don't have I mean, it's just they don't have like three of their running backs they intended at the beginning of the year. And they gave up 55 points to that team and they gave up 70 UCLA. Yeah, this against is, an offensive guru. This one bums me out. I mean, we're not even close to covering it, but the fact that they weren't even in it you know, to, for ASU to just get boat raced like that the week before you're like, okay, they're going to like pack it in. They didn't. No. They did not pack it in. UCLA looked like they packed it in. So, I mean, that's kind of the thing of the week-to-week thing. It's a whole different team from week-to-week. Utah gets smoked at home. They smoke ASU. ASU bounces back. UCLA, uh, it's just a lot of that mm-hmm. going on. Okay. Uh, our number six team. USC Trojan. Uh, they were up uh, in Eugene, where I was up there, David, taking on our number one team, Oregon Ducks. Really just a close game the whole way through. Um, there was nothing backdoor about this cover. Uh, or Oregon won 36-27, <laughs> but it was neck and neck the whole way. Yes. I mean, USC got the backdoor cover again. <laughs> Another backdoor cover. Um, there was just a lot of stupid crap that needed to happen for uh, Oregon to not blow out USC in this game because it felt like in the first half, this should be a blowout. It, How is it not a blowout right now? It yeah. should be a blowout, but instead it was, what, 22 to 14 at halftime? This is the kind of stuff that's going on. You're like, wait, what? No, you're, I'm watching the game. <laughs> Oregon... Oregon had one drive that went less than 48 yards. Oregon, like, okay. That was a touchdown. All right, how about this? How about this? Oregon had 552 yards on 63 plays, hmm. right? USC had 379 yards on 60 plays. So on a very similar number of plays, they had 150 fewer yards. This should have been like a 21-point blowout. Like yeah, it should Oregon have. Oregon didn't even turn the ball over. Yeah, they should have covered a long, long way. Yes. Um, they did not. But another, they didn't. Yes, and you got the win, and I did not. And it's yeah. like, yeah. But the funny part was, we were sitting and debating. I feel like the pick was right. Yeah, we were did, debating because uh, like if you was, watch this game, you go like, yeah, I would have taken Oregon. Like if you knew, you didn't know the score, you just watch the whole game. You're like, yeah, give me Oregon plus fifteen and a half. Like, what? They only won by nine. It was thirty six twenty one in the fourth quarter, and I was texting Ryan. I'm like, oh, it's a. And they, I think it was, what was it? Oregon missed a field goal or something. They missed a field goal. Yeah. yeah. They would have been up by and 18. I, I was texting you and I'm like, Hey, that was a tough one for you. That was a tough miss. And you're like, no, I had 15. And I'm like, Oh no, sadly on our podcast, it was 15 and a half. You missed a half point. And then it didn't matter. Then, yeah. USC scored a garbage <laughs> the, touchdown. Just absolute garbage. Absolute. But trash. like we do our picks every week. So I text Dave like, Hey, what's the spread? 15. Okay. So we put, so I tell all my staff we're picking 15. Uh, and then you put in 15 and a half in the, the dock, which was so funny because it was like the really half points. Gonna, it didn't matter because uh, Oregon. It scored. almost mattered. It but almost it mattered. Funny, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it was it was uh, I mean, I thought Oregon pretty much controlled the game. I would say if you're looking for like signs of optimism for USC, um, there really weren't many. Um, I would I mean, I don't know, like defensively, not really. They gave up a bunch of explosive no. plays again. Oregon had four drives that went over eighty yards. Did did their did your linebacker Mason Cobb really say that he didn't watch film of the previous game? He was asked the question, yeah, but when the the Washington game, you don't just flush the film; you have to watch it. That's what he said. Yes. Um, um, wow. What? Lincoln a, Riley said afterwards, like that's it's rare. Like it's happened a couple of times. Sometimes it's just like 
walk away from it. I think he tried to like help him out a little bit. It might have just been a frustration thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, too, I'm but. sure it's demotivating at some level uh, psychologically, but um, also like to make you know adjustments and corrections. You probably need to watch that stuff. Uh, but anyway, I mean, I don't know how much there was to posit or take away from it because it wasn't like it was that good of an offensive performance either. Like Caleb Williams was fine, but I didn't think USC was very good offensively either. I'm not really – I don't really understand how this was a nine-point game. Like no. Like, watching it live, I'm like, how are they still in this? I don't even understand. It didn't make a ton of uh, of sense. Yeah, like, so last week against Washington, so they fire Alex Grinch. Um, I don't think the defense really changed that much, but whatever. Uh, Washington had 10 real drives, seven touchdowns, a field goal, uh, one three and out, and a, and a pick, like, in the end zone. Oregon had eight real drives because they had to kneel down the end of the half and the end of the game. Um, they went touchdown, 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 field goal. But these were 83-yard touchdown in two plays, 81-yard touchdown drive in three plays, 75-yard touchdown drive in 13 plays. And then they started their own one and had an 84-yard drive that resulted in a field goal in 10 plays. Um, they scored a touchdown out of the second half. They have one three and out. And it, at that point, you felt like they were almost disinterested because you were up. There was two or three scores at the time. They go three and out and punt. So that was like the only stop that USC had. They get another touchdown drive. There was a short one after the USC turnover. Five plays, 48 yards. And then they have a nine-play, 52-yard drive that ends up being a missed field goal. So like <laughs> every drive went – like their shortest drive outside of the one three and out was 48 yards, and that was a touchdown. So. Yeah. When they got the ball, they just moved it, and there was really no resistance. That's why when you're like, how did USC get within nine points? I, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. The funniest thing was um, your – so USC scores with 344 to go, and then uh, they're facing a two-point conversion. They missed the two-point conversion, but uh, several things. We have a lot of two-point conversion talk in the chat, so if you want to address that stuff. Several it's... things about the two-point conversion. Okay. Uh, first, um, I could go either way on going for it right then. Uh, so when you're down nine, would you kick it and then... And then preserve your life for the next one, or do you do it then and figure out how much you know? But here's the reason why you probably just kick the extra point. Okay. Because dumbass Lincoln Riley had already used two of his three timeouts yeah. at that point. So you can't actually count on two more possessions. So you're basically, if you go for two there and miss it, you are saying the game is over. So you have to actually kick the extra point. If you had three timeouts, you could talk me into um, the other way. But I would, yeah, it's. I, I think you still probably go for two because I want the information up front. Um, what so, about uh, Landanen going for two? Um, early he did it was it was seven seven they scored look, in three uh, plays land danning's a golden god he can do it whenever he wants to that's <laughs> they, fine. They, they went over two again like i need 15 and a half or whatever and land danning's going for two instead of you know and now they're down they're only up six instead of seven and it's like, that was just kind of happening yeah, yeah but uh most importantly uh lincoln had spent both of his timeouts setting up offensive plays earlier in that very same quarter now, it's a game where you are trailing, where you are within a couple of scores, but you're trailing. Yeah, 
You can't use timeouts. The entire you cannot use timeouts. How is he still so bad at this? He's been a head coach for a long time, and he's not he's not some like ancient mariner idiot. Like he's a relatively young guy who should be like reading these things. Like yeah. he should understand this stuff. He shouldn't be so dyed in the wool that it's like impossible to adjust. But he's still making these same mistakes. Yes, um, and they're absolute categorical mistakes. You do not use your timeouts. Almost exclusively, you don't use them for any purpose other than stopping the clock at the end of half or the end of game to manage your ability to score points. That's it. Like, you want to give yourself as many opportunities to score points as possible, and that's why you have timeouts. They are not for setting up plays. If you need to set up a play, take a five-yard penalty. Right. It doesn't matter. The timeouts way more. The five yards will not matter if you set up the right play. The timeout is going to matter. Stop being stupid. Um, anyway, the going for two, uh, I mean, they, they should kick the extra point at that point because they didn't have enough time. Yeah. And Land Downing, though, you, you're okay with him going for two? Yeah, he, he, he's always great. All of his information is good. All, all Everything he does is awesome. <laughs> so Bo Nix, uh, his first two passes were like 75-plus yard touchdowns. He was averaging 80.5 yards of completion at the, in the first quarter. That's pretty good. Um He's the second uh, FBS quarterback on record to have each of his first two pass attempts go for completions of at least 75 yards. The other was Baylor's uh, Jacob Zeno back in 2019. So kind of crazy. He threw for over 400 yards. He is the uh, first duck since Vernon Adams. Remember him Mm. in 2015 to have 400 yards, four touchdowns and complete at least 74% of his passes, which what he did. Um, Tony, uh, Troy Franklin, the first Pac-12 player ever to have at least 145 yards receiving on just two catches. So pretty crazy stuff. Um, yeah, again, you know, 552 yards, four trips to the red zone, four touchdowns, um, 50% on third down. I mean, it's just that, you know, yeah, it's just kind of crazy uh, to see what happened with. USC's defense was just bad. West Texas Mike has an interesting point. Lincoln Riley isn't bright. He's just not bright. I wanted him to be bright, but he's not. Oh. I kind of agree. Uh, And I don't think you need to be super intelligent to be a football coach. Um, But it certainly helps with the game management stuff. Um, And I don't think he's he's an elaborate thinker. Like, I don't know. You got to kick the extra point there, buddy. Like it's you've got to extend the life of the game and uh, not put it all on. It's it's putting it all on one play to 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 do what exactly Um, to tie the game eventually. Like, are you going to aggressively then go for two again uh, when you get it to try to win the game? Uh, Because if then maybe uh, if that's your plan. Yeah. Uh, But that's not your plan. You're just trying to, I don't know, give yourself a different opportunity to tie the game at the end. Just kick the extra point. Yeah. Moron. Morons. Um, morons. Okay, we have a question from Kyle. Ryan, you saw both up close, Penix or Bo for Heisman. Um, I'm Penix. St- I'm still with Penix on this, or Penix, if, if, as like Dave's like to say. So those two long touchdown passes, uh, they were both like in the teens, like 15 or 18 yards or something, and they just ran through the USC secondary. Um. But he managed the game really well. Uh, you know, did a great job. They ran the ball okay, but like this was a throwing game um, for 
for Bo Nix, but I still have, you know, you got the head to head already. If Oregon comes back and like blows them out or something in the Pac-12 championship game, then I think that could change. But right now I still have Michael Penix. Phoenix. And I am a Heisman voter. But Jaden Daniels, former Pac-12 quarterback, he's got to be up there too because he's been uh, redonkulous. Well, because he, he was forged in the fires of the Pac-12. He did. He what was it? His like it was three. He might have had four hundred. He had two hundred like fifty rushing yards and four hundred passing yards. Some stupid. It was some crazy number. It was like beyond whatever, uh, whatever you could could imagine. Okay, and this is the one that absolutely uh, kills me. Number five, Utah Utes. And uh, number two, Washington Huskies. <laughs> I'm not sure what you're talking about. This is a very normal game that unfolded in a very normal way with a normal score outcome. 35-28. Yeah. What could be more normal than that? Well, Washington won. Washington was favored by nine. I had Washington. Yeah, yeah. But, had but Utah. they scored. I mean, they must have scored. It must have been five very normal touchdowns. <laughs> and Utah must have scored four very normal touchdowns of its own. What's your problem? Mm. And relatively even distribution of scoring, right? Half to half. Like, this wasn't something ridiculous like Utah didn't score in the second half, right? <laughs> <laughs> or that, like, Washington's vaunted offense was held to, like, 11 in the second half? Yeah. Oh, was it? That, is that exactly what it was? There's a lot of zeros in the second half. Yeah. Oh, but, like, certainly there wasn't a situation where, like, I don't know, a, a defender returns a turnover uh, all the way nearly to the end zone but then drops it at the one. Um, that didn't happen, right? I like a Kalen Clay thing, like, uh, you know, 10 years later? It actually might have happened exactly like that. We were in the car driving but uh, certainly no utah player had the awareness the presence of mind to then do a live recovery of the football within the pace of the course of the play right i think that certainly washington if that did happen was set up on the one with a chance to go in for the touchdown right <laughs> no no oh uh we were in the car and connor loves betting sports you know so we're driving to Autzen. And he's giving me updates, and he's like, "Oh, interception! Oh, he's he and he's like literally giving me like the Brett Musburger, like the forty, the thirty, the twenty, and then they're like, and he did for the touchdown. And Connor's like, "Wait a second, I think he might have dropped the ball too early or something." And I'm like, "Wait, what's going on here?" And then so you're getting like these updates from I'm driving, I'm getting these updates from the back seat about like, "Oh, and I'm like, wait, wait, did but Washington jump on the ball like exactly like you said, right? Well, he dropped it too early, but it went out of bounds, and they get the ball at the two or the one, like no." Like Utah got the ball. And the funny thing was he dropped it super early. It wasn't, wasn't like he wasn't dropped close, it at the right? goal line. It was he dropped it at like the two. It was bad. Like yeah. super bad. Um and obvious to see live and so bad that it was like, did he know the number? Like, did he not want did he have Utah? That could have been. Yeah, like it was so bad, man. Because you're covering obviously. Yeah, you're winning. Who cares? Uh, but you want that money. Um yeah, I mean, look, I thought Utah played well. I thought they played really well. They played better than I thought. They I, played. I thought, like, On offensively, again, again, uh, a coaching staff that tried to eke out every possible little ounce of talent they could from a very, very depleted roster uh, went in there and they played an excellent first half. And then it all kind of fell apart in the second half. Bryson Barnes, it was kind of a weird, wet, and windyish day. Um, his his throws started to be way off in the second half. Um, he threw a couple of picks. He was really good in the first half, though. Um, and they were doing some PI stuff with Vele. Uh, Sanivaki had another big, long uh, run after the catch. Um, and, you know, they were doing enough. Uh, Washington really turned off the water in the second half uh, defensively um, by turning on the water something. 
I don't know. I was going with something there. Um, and then, I don't know uh, where you're going. Yeah, who knows? Uh, Dylan Johnson was really good again for Washington. Uh, their receiving core was really good. Uh, Roma Dunze's uh, stud. Jack Westover uh, did his usual thing. Um, but it was just a very, very funny end of game. And the best part, Ryan, is that I predicted this game exactly. The exact score? It's the second week in a row I've predicted Washington's score exactly. Right. For, 52-42 last week, 35-28 this week, and it went exactly the way I thought it would. With the, da- down with the, to, the pick six? Yes. Dropped at the goal line. And then making up for it. Did they make up for it with a safety? They, got a, they did get a safety right after that. Yeah. The first play, they get the safety. <laughs> and uh, it was like, okay, so you like you have a shot. Like When you're trying to cover a spread, like those are the things, like missed extra points, you know, not getting a touchdown wipe off the board because you drop the ball. Um, I mean, you don't score touchdowns very often if you're a defensive player. Well, and I that, would be holding that thing just like, you know. It was like, so beautiful because then Washington could have scored. Uh, uh, they, they could have had a field goal late. Yeah, you'd, so you text me. So I already knew that the bad thing happened. But Phoenix, that, Phoenix takes this horrible sack, drops him, drops him nine yards back from the Utah 6 to like the 15 or something. Yeah. And it was just enough that he had to flatten the field goal attempt and it gets like semi-blocked and he misses it. He like kicked it into the back of the – lineman's yeah, head or something. it was shit. so good. But there was like, so you text me that, and they're like, oh, that's a bad one for you. And I didn't even realize what that was. But they, again, two, like, 95%ers, or one of them was a 99.9%er, to cover the spread, and they miss them both. Like, the odds of that happening aren't very uh, aren't very good. But that's the, sort of the way my betting thing has gone. So, but that was kind of... Can we just tell everyone my overall record against the spread right now? It's really freaking good. You went 5-1, 2-1. I'm, I'm, I'm 44-25-1. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's insane. And, like, some of them like this. Like, you're like, what? Like, that should have happened. I just have a gift, man. But it did. Uh, That one definitely, uh, that was a weird one. I mean, it was to the point where I was getting texts from people like, did you see that weird Washington play? Like, that are, like, mediocre, like, college football fans. Like, they were seeing this. Like, what? He dropped the ball? Like, that's the kind of shit that was going on. Um, So, 10-0 for Washington. First time since 91. You remember what happened that year? Uh, this is the second time in program history they started ten and zero. Kalen DeBoer got his hundredth career victory as head coach, so pretty cool. Um, Roma Duze, the first Husky to have back to back thousand yard seasons since Reggie Williams back in two thousand two, uh, two thousand three. So cool stuff there. Uh, Utah had a couple turnovers. Washington outgained them by eighty yards or whatever. You know, not much from DeQuinton Jackson. Uh, Barnes was okay. I mean, there's just it was just sort of like fine, but it felt like Washington had this one. Utah couldn't do anything in the second half. So impressed with Washington's defense, like kind of stepping up. Especially they gave up 21 points in the, the second quarter. I was like, what the hell's going on? Um, yeah, I don't know. But big game, uh, another big win for Washington. They haven't always looked the part like we've seen Oregon kind of look the part more, but they are 10 and 0 and they have the head to head against Oregon. So they are in the driver's seat right now. And uh, not much you're going to, I don't think not much is going to change. I don't think, I mean, they got tough games, right? You got to yep. I mean, Washington state, you know, I don't think it's gonna be that tough, but they, they showed signs of life at least. Uh, but going to uh, Corvallis this weekend is going to be a big one. So, yep. Um, all right. 
So those are our games. Why don't we take a quick break and we will come back and uh, answer your questions. So back in a minute. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Do you want to know what we finished last year as? Uh, what did we finish last year? I was 56-40-2, which is pretty good. That's and you really were good. 52-44-2. and two. Which is pretty good. We, we both had good, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, okay, this year you're doing great. Like, especially the, I mean, the last two weeks going five and one, five and one. Um, I mean, I want, I get the first one down. I'm like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, we had four picks different. This is going to be great. And then the second one looks like I'm going to cl- cover that one. Doesn't mm-hmm. happen. It's just, mm-hmm. it kept looking like that the whole way. I'm like, damn it. Uh, but it was yeah, a beautiful that was, day. That was bad. <laughs> it was a beautiful day. It's a long trip. Like, you forget, like, you haven't been up to Oregon for a while, probably, right? Like, if you could fly into Eugene, it's fine, but like you got to go to Portland and then two hour drive or longer on game day. Um, 
I do like I like it's got the Austin's got the feel of um like Allegiant Stadium where you're really high up it's sort of like a you know it's it's very steep mm-hmm. that's kind of keeps a lot of the noise in and everything they the media relate like we had to pick up the parking pass in person which kind of sucked so it's like how do you pick it up you got if you were there on Friday you could pick it up I'm like hey I'm not going to be there until Saturday so that was a little bit of pain in the ass but everything else was good food was pretty good nice people there a lot of Oregon people like a lot of staffers are in that press box like working stuff and everything right you're like yeah you don't care nope you well, you don't go to games so yeah don't care uh, okay we got a voicemail mm. you want to start with that sure okay hey what's up guys it's Perk um, just curious to know Dave um, given the how the result went with UCLA um, this weekend and just kind of how the overall season has gone. Um, I was curious to get your thoughts on whether you think there's really any path for, I guess, a, a, a bad enough defeat versus um, versus USC that would cause uh, UCLA to move on um, from Chip Kelly. And then also I wanted to give a shout-out to um, the Zodiac Killer uh, a while back. He uh, you know, considered me a Cal fan for reasons I, I still don't understand, but with that being said, I've adopted it, um, and I just want to say, Zodiac Killer, we're ready to go for uh, the Apple Cup this weekend versus Stanford. Um, <laughs> Justin Wilcox is, you know, probably one of the best defensive head coaches uh, in the Pac-12 uh, among Northern California schools. He's got these boys playing hot; they're ready to go. So, good luck, pal. Love you know, what, you know, Perk, I, I love your calls. One thing I would never ever do is like call out the Zodiac Killer and say, hey, I'm a Cal fan. Like, no. I would have to, like, every time I start my car, I'd be worried if something's going to happen. I'd be looking <laughs> in the back seat, lock my doors more. Like, that's the, the last thing I want to do is, like, announce myself as a Cal fan to the Zodiac Killer. Yeah, he'll, he'll decipher who you are. Uh, as to your question, um, uh, I don't think it's going to require a big loss to USC. It so it doesn't matter because he's going to get an extension no matter what. Yeah, obviously he gets an extension no matter extra what. extra gloves. I mean, they're like, on track. More. I mean, they can't take that win away. They're on track for a bowl game, baby. You can't take bowl games away. You can't take those for granted either, baby. That's postseason football. Yeah. I mean, not a lot of teams. Do you know All he like- is thirty three and thirty three at UCLA? He has won thirty three games. He has won half of his games. Do you know how hard that is to do? That's that's like like a coin flip. That's crazy. Winning as much as you lose. There are 133 FBS teams. Only like 84 of them go to bowl games. <laughs> so you're in the upper three quarters of FBS. It's hard Do you to... know if you don't count FCS schools, he's 31 and 33? <laughs> you kind of went off on Twitter a little bit. Have I? <laughs> you think? Do they get mad? Like, are you already blocked by USC football? I mean, uh, no, no, no. UCLA football uh, unblocked me like minutes after that happened several years ago. Oh, okay. Um, I thought you were. I tell people. No, you were no, blocked. no. That was for that was for clowning on uh, their graphic designer, which was kind of <laughs> that was kind of mean. I shouldn't have done that. Um, but um, uh, no, I mean, I don't get no. I mean, I, I think I don't do it until it's. I don't know. I mean, I. Maybe they should. <laughs> like, you get after me a little bit about it, but I, no, I don't really hear anything from them about it. I can just clown pretty hard. I think yeah. the way I treat my job is like, I go, I show up and I, you know, put my face in front of Chip Kelly and I ask him questions. 
So, you know, it's, I'm not doing anything that I don't show my face for. Um, and I'm not doing anything different than what, like, a columnist would do, right? Like, you know, that's talking shit about the local coaches is kind of what you're supposed to do. Yeah, I guess that happens. Yeah. Um, do you want to start? I think, is it Hank, the first one? Uh, let's see. Yes. All right. Uh, game or actually no, is this text message first? No, I think we did the text message. Yeah, you're right. Last All right, uh, game day. What should a Beaver fan make of the game day snub? Nothing against JMU, but a top ten matchup between the Beavers and Huskies in Corvallis. Are you kidding me? Anyways, nineteen runs in a row. Go Beavs. Yeah, that's disappointing. But I get the James Madison thing and the fact that they can't like they could easily be the group of five representative my sister went to that my sister is not a big college football fan like she went to university of san diego sometimes she would drive up to usc on weekends and go to games but you know she lives on the east coast doesn't really go to college football but they went to that latest james madison game which is kind of funny um it's a kind of a big national story and the fact that they're not going to be allowed to participate in a bowl game and they could be going to a new year six bowl game because they could be the best team in the uh in the group of five so i get it I think I'd rather see, you know, Jonathan Smith, Michael Penix, like all that stuff. I, I think I'd rather see all that. Yeah, DJU. of course you would. What yeah. the hell? No, nobody cares about JMU. Come on, JMU, baby. The NCAA no, doesn't good. care enough about JMU to even let them do a postseason. What no. is this 19 runs in a row? Is that a prediction? No, what was... that's what Oregon State. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> I don't know, man. Did you? Michigan ran it 30 times in a row. <laughs> Against Penn State. They had one pass that was like a PI, so that didn't count. But that was like no Harbaugh. You're the like interim head coach. You're like, I'm gonna I'm gonna show my head coach that I love him and I'm just gonna run the ball thirty times in a row. Yeah, nineteen runs in a row. Uh Nobody's. I got a few questions in the chat. Uh Chris asks, is there a UCLA coaching hire that would get Dave to a game at the Rose Bowl? Oh uh, the answer is of course no. Uh, <laughs> under no circumstances will I be going to the Rose Bowl. Okay. Uh, and then uh, yet another Duck fan, Dave. Are they waiting until December when his buyout drops, making the money move when it doesn't make any competitive sense? Uh, no. Um, no, I don't think that's going to be a, a significant factor. Okay. Um, Dave, go into the chat. So I have to like scramble to find where those. I'm just are. reading some stuff. I know. I put them up there on the screen. Okay. I mean, you were talking about JMU or something on our Pac-12 podcast, so I had to find something else to do. There you go. Uh, this is from Amy. Looking good, doing it. Oregon looked uh, especially good in their uniforms this week. Oregon's uniforms were sharp, bright, crisp, and smart compared to the dull, same old uniforms worn by the Trojans or many other college football teams outside of Utah, of course. Question, does Nike design these uniforms as part of their contract, or is it Oregon that sends the designs to Nike and they make what they are told? Random question, I know, but you are my source of information for all things college football, and if you don't know the answer, it will only prove how, quote, mediocre this podcast really is. David, I loved your pig farmer shirt. Go Utes from Amy. I did. I got a, uh, I got a that's my pig farmer shirt. You did? Yeah. You tweeted it. I yeah, saw it. Yeah. I did. Um. I don't know if it's in their contract. Um, I imagine it is. Um, but also, I think, you know, Nike would be glad to do it because Phil Knight is the benefactor for Oregon Yeah, football. I think that's sort of like the the plan. As far as, like, designs go, I, I don't know for sure, but I think it's like kind of a, you know, Nike comes up with a lot of cool stuff, 
But I think if Oregon has an idea for something, I think they could just tell, hey, we want to make this. And like, okay, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but thank you for that one, Amy. Pick the over-under two. This is from Jay in New York. Pick the over-under two going forward to give Ryan a chance. Pick oh. the over-under two for, going forward to give Ryan a chance. So we talked about That's our picks. It. Yeah. No, yeah. We, we and why, the, should, why should we change? He's the one who sucks. Yeah. And I, I don't suck. You're just scorching the earth with especially super lucky absolutely stuff. true super absolutely super true. fucking lucky stuff. absolutely true all right um this is also jay in new york uh what a fun weekend of pectoral football uh i'm in my feeling i'm in my feeling a bit knowing i'm in my feelings i'm in my feelings I'm sad uh, okay i'm in my it's, feelings it's a the, bit the, knowing. The, the, the lingo of the children these days is that what they're saying i don't think so okay <laughs> Uh, but knowing that the Pac-12 is only a few weeks from its demise, just when the conference is finding its footing and getting really fun. Sad stuff. What is happening? Anyways, I wanted your opinion on uh, behind the scenes of Cam Rising's injury and how it was handled. Rumor has it that Cam's agent misled and purposely kept Utah coaches and team doctors in, doctors in the dark about the extent of Cam's injury in order to secure... NIL money for this year, as it doesn't make much sense to give a bag to a guy who won't play all year. I'm not sure I'd totally buy this, but it's weird that Utah didn't go after a transfer quarterback when Cam had a knee injury in January. The coaches and team doctors could not have both, one, known it was a tear of multiple ligaments, and two, expected he could realistically be back by August or September. Whether true or not, do you see more of that in the future? Players being vague about whether they'll be ready to secure NIL money. I don't think it will be common, but I can see it happening. And don't blame the players either. It's the Wild West. I don't know. This whole thing's super weird, uh, but I think it's a kind of a unique one-off situation that I don't think will have much application going forward for many guys. Yeah. Um, I, I would have to imagine for Cam, he would rather play than not um i imagine it's a relatively serious injury that has kept him from coming back uh now the deception part of it i don't know how true that is um i don't know if there's going to be any potential legal attempts to i don't know do something with the money um but uh it's kind of a unique situation um you get a catastrophic injury to one of your star players who's entitled to a certain amount of nil money or whatever and the thing is, um, this gets into the weird part, which is the pay-for-play aspect of NIL that's not supposed to be, but actually is de facto what NIL has turned into, versus the marketing thing. Because uh, for the marketing thing, Cam Rising's value didn't actually change that much this year. He's still you know, the potential starting quarterback going forward for Utah. Uh, but for the pay-for-play aspect, which isn't supposed to be the big factor, but actually is the factor, he didn't play. Um, so it becomes... That whole weird thing. Uh, this is where it would help to have all of this above board. And instead of, you know, having it be pay for play, but it's NIL, have it be pay for play where they literally are paid a salary and you have like injury insurance for it and all that kind of crap. Yeah. I I think the fact that he was brought out to Pac-12 Media Day, I think you I think Utah team doctors would still look at Cam Rising. I don't I don't buy this. I would think that you would know something um if it was all those tears i i can't imagine that this was like an agent saying we're only gonna have our doctors look at cam i it just doesn't pass the smell test for me maybe it happened i felt this was more like whittingham sort of being 
I, I didn't like the fact that he didn't play all year, Keefe didn't play all year, and they were your two representatives of Pac-12 Media Day. That still yeah. sits wrong with me. But if Utah didn't know about either of the extent of their injuries and they just thought that they were going to be back, I mean, that's saying something, too. Like, I want my doctors to be able to look at them, too. It's like, okay, well, we can still, you can you know, share the x-rays or the MRIs or whatever, like, even if you're going to use your own doctor. Like, I would think that all that stuff would have been happening, but maybe not. I don't know. But Yeah. Uh, we had Eric in the... Uh, Chat, who's a Duck fan, said, I put up a couple of the comments on the screen, that Oregon, that Nike sends stuff to Oregon. Um, and he said that they go on four-year cycles, so they'll get new uniforms every four years. And he said, so these uniforms are still under uh, Mario Manboobs, uh, his tenure. So they're from that. So they'll, I think next year they'll get some, some new ones. Mm. Yeah. But, All right. This is uh, from Paul Webfoot. Wazoo and UCLA. I think this is our next one, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it is, yes. Greetings, champions. Two questions, one for Dave and one for either of you. First, Dave, putting aside your dreams and your broken spirit, what percentage chance would you give Chip Kelly to still be coaching UCLA in 2024? Like 85% or whatever. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to. Uh, 5%. Whoa. Yeah. So you're essentially saying he's not coming back. I'd, I'd be surprised. Br- this is like when you said that Colorado was leaving. No, no, I'm not breaking news on this podcast. So 5%. Hold on. Hold on. So, according to David Woods, <laughs> of the podcast 5%. Not confident that Chip Kelly, even if he gets a blowout win against hated rival, UCLA brings the victory bell back to Westwood or Pasadena. I don't know where they keep it because they play in different places than they live. But whatever it is. David Wood's saying it's not going to matter. He's not coming back. 5%. Breaking news. 5%. Okay. 5%. Mm. And either of you, what the hell happened to Wazoo? I don't follow them closely, but I haven't heard anything. I haven't heard about major injuries or coordinators leaving or anything. Why did they suddenly collapse after the Oregon game? No, they got broken by UCLA. UCLA broke them. Are you not listening to our show, Paul Webfoot? I felt, when I first called that, I'm like, it was like a week later. I'm like, you still like broke this team, and you're like, well, maybe, and, but it's been that. Yeah. Now, now they got bad. Like they looked better against a bad Cal team. Yeah, but they've lost six straight, and it started with UCLA. They beat Oregon State, and then UCLA uh, showed how to defend them because they could. I don't even think it was like something innovative of UCLA did. They just were like, hey, we can probably get through that offensive line with three or four. And then that showed the formula for everyone to do that to this offense. And maybe they finally figured some stuff out against Cal. We'll see. Uh, but that's what happened. I, I think it was a schematic thing that they have not been able to adjust against. Yeah. Uh, they they definitely got broke. Um, LFG says, uh, so he says, um, the person uh, sending the question is not aware. If you're not aware, uh, starting in 2024, the Big Ten college football teams are going to be required to furnish uh, advanced weekly injury reports similar to the NFL. Mm. So we might see a little bit more of that going on where you can't just, but I mean, in this case, you could just say like Cam Rising, knee, questionable, you know, and he could say maybe questionable for the whole damn season to the point where like, nope, he's out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then also because I'm a hater, I can't wait to hear what y'all think about Oregon State being favored over Washington, but I can wait for the preview show for that. And you will, Paul. Wait for the because we've got show. two minutes to get through the rest of this because I got to go. Okay, Brian says David has been on a. This is, I'm supposed to read this. David has been on a Twitter spree uh, saying UCLA needs to fire Chip Kelly. However, 
has he thought of this? UCLA beat Stanford 42-7 to in Palo Alto. Fifth-ranked Washington only beat that same juggernaut by nine. Clearly, Chip is far ahead of the curve compared to the media hypes Kalen DeBoer and Washington when it comes to game planning and defense. Maybe Chip just needs an extension and to hire some new assistants. May I suggest newly available ex-Big Ten Coach of the Year and leader of men, Brady Hoke. With this addition, UCLA will for sure continue to stay above the 50% win rate, which is all you can ask at a softball school that doesn't even have money for gloves. Thank you. That's like a David Woods level troll. Yeah, thank you for that. Like, did you really like good. those when you get those back at you? I like, do. I actually do. I'm you're like, oh my God, this is what I sound like to other people. And yeah, no, man, that makes me mad. It's so good. <laughs> uh, all right. And last one from Jared. Question about coach hirings, firings, and retirings in celebration of the beginning of coach hiring and firing season. Let's play a game called Hired, Fired, Retired. I'll give you the names of three coaches, and I'd like you to decide who is most likely to get hired away to another coaching job, who is most likely to get fired, and who you could see staying in their current role until they decide to retire or at least will be there for a good while. You can only choose one coach to be hired, fired, or retired from each group. So, for example, if I gave you this group, Kyle Whittingham, Dan Lanning, Chip Kelly, you would probably say, as a young upcoming coach, Lanning gets hired away. Since the game has clearly passed him by, Whittingham gets fired, leaving <laughs> Kelly as the obvious choice to stay as the head of UCLA until he has a bronze statue erected in his honor to commemorate his prestigious career and finally retires. Okay, your turn. Who gets hired, fired, or retired from the year one coaches? Deion Sanders, Kenny Dillingham, Troy Taylor. Okay. Uh, so you hire someone somewhere else. Or was it the, is the hire staying there? Hired away. Okay. Fired, or they retire there. Retire there. Okay, gotcha. All right. Kenny um, Dillingham, retired ASU. I think he's retired as ASU. Deion Sanders, hired. Troy Taylor, fired. Yeah, I think that's fair. Now the two-year coaches, Lincoln Riley, Kalen DeBoer, Dan Lanning. Dan Lanning hired, Kalen DeBoer retired, Lincoln Riley fired. You think Kalen DeBoer stay there? I think uh, of the likelihoods here. Lincoln Riley's not retiring at USC. Yeah, I don't Nor think is Dan Lanning retiring at Oregon. Yeah, Dan Lanning's going to go somewhere. Okay, I think that's I think that's fair. Yeah. You could go Kalen. Yeah, I think I mean, he could be fired he could be hired away tomorrow, but I feel like he's got the best shot to be there for a little while. Yeah. Uh, I think he's found a fit. I think he's a fit there. Uh, and finally, the, quote, tenured coaches, Jonathan Smith, Justin Wilcox, Jed Fish. Okay. <laughs> Justin Wilcox fired like a gun. Uh, and then um, I think for the other two, it's Jed Fish hired, Jonathan Smith retired, but it mm, could go either way I think I would easily. swip swat blows. Yeah. I mean, I think they both, and I'll honestly get hired away. But I think because... Smith doesn't have a conference that he's most likely to be yeah. hired. All right, we got to get going. All right. Uh, so we one more thing I want to do for the next ten minutes or so. No, you got to go. Uh, David David Woods, he's right there. I'm here. What do you want to pose as for your thing? Perfect. So if you listen on the podcast, we just smiled, uh, dumbingly. Or is that a word? Into I don't the know what camera. That was. I'm not sure what it is. Uh, that is David David Woods. I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. We'll be back later this week. I'm not going spearfishing or anything, so we will preview uh, Week 12 action of Pac-12 football, where all the point totals will be doubled so I can catch up to David. That's David Woods. I'm Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. Goodbye.